Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the 200th episode. Woo, 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 confetti's flying. Of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and we are delighted and blessed once again to be with you tonight. We have two very special guests coming Mystery up. Mystery guests. That's right, in a bit. But first, I know you guys <laughs> want to get back in the car with us. We have episode two of our Family Road Trip podcast, and here we go. Buckle up. Chewing on a piece of grass, walking down the road. Every highway, I got to see you, my old friend. Venture Highway. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to what I'm sure is now your favorite time of the week. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. And welcome to the Family Road Trip Podcast. For seven weeks, we're following four families for seven weeks. Each week, a new episode in a very courageous Endeavor. What is that endeavor? It's not climbing El Capitan, which is pretty awesome. We saw that movie this past week, Free Solo. If you haven't seen it, it's pretty awesome, this guy. Free Solo's up a cliff. I digress. It is more courageous, perhaps, even than that. What is it? It's families bringing their whole family together for 45 minutes every week to talk and pray. Holy shnikes. It does take some courage. It's easy to do with a men's group, maybe, or a woman's group, or outside the home. But to bring our families together, you know, these people we see and we know, and they know us, and we're used to a different kind of culture, there's a hurdle there. Houston, we have a problem. There's a wall. There's an El Capitan in the way. Hopefully that captain, though, increasingly will become God. He'll become our captain. And we'll take that time every week to set aside 45 minutes to talk and pray. That was awesome. So we're inviting you guys to join us and go to ilovemyfamily.us. You can hear the first episode from last week. It was a lot of fun to do. We're all new at this, by the way. I'm blessed that these four families have jumped in the sandbox with us and uh, just willing to be candid and honest about the challenges um, with their families and bringing them together during this great Lent season and to receive that grace. All right, so you guys ready to rock and roll. Well, we're going to keep the order here tonight, and we're going to go to the Ericsons, who are over the border in Michigan. It's go time! So we are we are electing to do it with our oldest four, who are 10, 9, 5, and 4. Our 2-year-old and 1-year-old, we, we put to bed. It's certainly been a blessing. It's been a blessing in many ways. Um, I think the one that stands out to me the most is that my children are thoroughly enjoying it. Awesome. They, they really, really, really love and respect the time. And, and after we've done this now a couple of times, my four-year-old son keeps saying, well, Daddy, why don't we pray this way every night? <laughs> That's great. There's been a lot of sickness and death um, around our family. And our oldest um, admitted that she was struggling mightily with the fear of myself or my wife getting mm. sick and possibly mm. dying. And she was really, really struggling sleeping and getting stomach aches and so forth because of it. And I'm pretty confident that uh, if we didn't bring the family together and, you know, really pray and really, really uh, go deep, 
um, this wouldn't have been uncovered. And we've had some really solid conversations about it. And she's doing a lot better. That's awesome. That's great. So she's asked to be prayed over um, as well, um, you know, for healing. Mm -hmm. So it's been beautiful. Just give us a sense of what what does that consist of, praying over somebody? She said, said, Mommy, will you you and Daddy pray over me? And so, you know, we close our eyes and we ask for the Holy Spirit to come. We say, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. And we just say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, come be with Allie. Please take away any anxiety, any pain, any uh, nervousness that she's having. And we ask to renounce those feelings. And we ask for the Holy Spirit to come and fill her up and let her know, you know, that this anxiety and fear is, is not from even you. Our, even our two-year-old, it's funny, because sometimes, you know, when they get owies or whatever, they'll say, Mommy, you, you know, will you kiss it? And then sometimes they'll say, do you want me to pray over you? And they'll say, yeah. And so then we'll just say, Hail Mary and come Holy Spirit, help take the pain away or whatever. But it's just cute to even have like our two-year-old say, will you pray? You know, that was awesome. Certainly, you know, what's so cool is not only the uh, powerful grace of the prayer, but the uh, also the gift of the, the great comfort and love that mm. you're able to bring your child that those seeds will be planted and last forever. You know, that's just awesome. Thanks so much, Walt and Liz. Let's go to Terry and Lori Langendurfer. I think it went well once we, um, even just with us three, it sometimes is hard to get us all together just because of Cassidy's pretty busy now with babysitting, working. And so once we got together, but um, I'm just always kind of amazed at how easy Prayer comes for Cassidy and natural, it seems, for her to pray out loud. And um, and also just her reflections on the readings. That's something that I struggle with a lot of times. Um, and she seems to be pretty insightful mm-hmm. from doing these things. So That's mm-hmm. awesome. It's worthy to venture into the awkwardness. It's worthy to open the doors. And this guide... Again, I love my family.us. Simple questions. You know, what's a victory of the day? What's a challenge? Just to open up that door and really try to be really candid and honest with one another is really a great thing. Let's go to the Millers. We got together on Sunday before dinner time, and it actually went a lot better than we expected. We had had some conflict in the home earlier in the day. Everybody was fighting, fighting. I'll be honest, I was feeling like I don't even want to bother with this. Been there. We really don't all want to be in the same room together. Thank you very yep. much. But um, well, we persevered and we did it. And, um, and it was wonderful. It was great. It was nice family bonding time together. It was nice to see like our 15-year-old and our four-year-old um, bonding because, you know, they're kind of like wrestling on the couch a little bit <laughs> through a lot of it, which was fine because right. it was it was fun, you know, bonding time. And um, so it was nice to take the time for everyone to listen to one another. That's and, awesome. Um, and to pray. And so it was all done. I, I said, Paul, that went really well. After everyone had cleared out, I said, how did that happen? I can see clearly now the <laughs> but it must have been the Holy Spirit. I, I said, I guess so, because that 
that wasn't us. So our Lord really helped us. Um, with that, but I think it's just a reminder that we can be tempted, mm-hmm. you know, by the devil to just be like, forget it, I'm just not even going to bother, and um, just to persevere. Joan, I'm super encouraged, super encouraged by that. And I think, you know, you you may have heard Stephanie, I simultaneously say, been there. And and it seems the enemy wants to attack us most when there's something really good about to happen. I think we kind of know that, right? We've experienced it historically, but when we're in it, it's just hard to believe. And so I'm glad you're giving us that testimony that the clouds were there. I was anticipating it being just a disciplinary episode more than anything. <laughs> you know, stop this, don't do that, get your hands off now. <laughs> but no, thanks so much for sharing, Paul and Joan. That's just a, a great testimony that is common to us all. Bill and Lori Noltner. Um, well, I would like to share, um, doing the Live It Guide, um, we've known you guys for a long time, and we probably have not done the Live It Guide very often in our home. And um, I think some of the pushback was from me because I think it's awkward and Naaman because he's a teenager Mm. and didn't want to go through the motions of doing that and sitting through that. But we sat down and did it. And it was actually a very good experience. I think for all of us, Um, I think Damon, especially during the forgiveness, asking for forgiveness portion, Mm. um, Mm -hmm. kind of saw a more human side of us. Like we weren't just doing it around him. It was for all of us. And we heard things that we needed forgiveness for, or that we were asking him forgiveness for, I think it made him feel um, like, you know, like he wasn't so vulnerable or wasn't targeting mm. or whatever. So, and see our human side. That was awesome. Folks, you're tuned into the Family Road Trip Podcast. We are with four families on a journey for seven weeks. And in particular, what is a journey comprised of? gathering together for 45 minutes we say it could be less usually it's a little more but we're using this gathering guide you can find it i love my family.us very fun easy way to gather together to talk and pray to share things about our lives and as you go there even just a one pager you'll see make it your own wax on wax off and ultimately what are we about we're about discovering god more fully alive in our relationships, in the busyness, in the chaos, in all the activity of our lives, we can, you know, maybe just be like ships passing in the night a lot. And our children are only only under our roof for a short period of time. They're a tremendous grace. So we're inviting you specifically during this Lenten season to take that risk, to open up that door, to experience that grace. So one more question as we go around the room, if you will, of this podcast. Um, Walt and Liz, what is the Lord putting on your heart in terms of you're hoping to see maybe down the road in the next couple of weeks? What do you have your eyes fixed on? I'd like, I'd like to see our kids go a little bit deeper. And I, I, I think for kids in general, they think about a lot of things, and they think about a lot of deep things even, depending on their age, um, but they don't know how to share them. They don't know how to articulate what they're thinking, and, and that's because we don't put those, them in those situations we don't ask the right questions. We see and feel some of the same things that they are, and they can talk about it. It's a it's a place it's a place to discuss those things. Mm-hmm. Awesome, Terry and Lori. A couple things, Greg. It seemed like we were struggled to get into that peaceful, prayerful atmosphere. 
because it's mm-hmm. like, okay, let's start. And so I think there's some things maybe we can do with, maybe that's music, maybe some personal prayer as, as we start. The other thing that Lori mentioned, and I think it's a really good idea, but maybe focus on opportunities when we know uh, Tara and her family will be here, perhaps. Um, or when Rachel's home, which would be a real easy thing uh, for her. Mm-hmm. One love, one love. Let's get together and feel alright. Um, my boys will probably be a little bit more of a challenge, but I think that would ultimately be where we'd like to be and of course hope that then they do this with their own families. Yes. So, uh, Terry, you're in the only one of the four couples in grandparent mode. And what a great insight, folks who are listening, to be mindful that even if we didn't do this and our children are approaching empty nest or even out of the empty nest, that you still have a God appointing and anointing as parents, and in your case, grandparents, to welcome them in your home and to find this meaningful time and say, you know, I invite you guys, let's do this when you come next Thursday or Friday or Saturday, and that they will have a positive experience. And what better gift can we give to our children than an experience of God alive and show them how to do it so that when their children get older, they'll want to do the same thing. So that that's pretty, pretty awesome. What about let's get together and feel all right. Paul and Joan Miller. We're hoping um, as we get into the swing of things here more with it and everyone gets more more used to it that um, that we'll be able to share um, deeper as well with our kids and, and have them open up. You know, we also ask them with like the challenge part, you know, what can we pray for you for? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, usually it's a pretty superficial answer and then you know so we're trying to ask them questions well what about you know more specifics for prayer um you know maybe there's someone they're having trouble with at school or they're anxious about something or whatever their stress is coming in life um, for us to pray for them. Yeah, you know, frequently I've asked our kids over the years to pray for us. Well, pray for your dad, then pray for me. Make sure you pray for us at Mass this morning when they're going to Friday school Mass, and I can't always make that with the little ones. So, but make sure you pray for us, or make sure you pray for so and so. Paul and I asked them to pray over us on Sunday, and mm-hmm. it was nice because. Our oldest three, you know, I had kind of forgotten until that moment, had experienced doing this out of our presence with with your own teens, Greg and Stephanie, and also at Catholic Youth Summer Camp. So it, and it hit me at that moment that I was grateful that they actually knew, you know, how to do that mm-hmm. because of those wonderful experiences that they've been in, um, even out of our presence. So that was it was wonderful to, to all be together like that and to have them all lay hands on Paul and I and to and to pray for us. So I hope to do more of that. Let's go to the Noltmers, Bill and Laurie. Well, I guess uh, an area that we uh, 
have uh, anticipated as a area of growth, and we've already kind of experienced it. Lori kind of alluded to it a little bit, but uh, is communication, the ability to communicate better. One of the things we do when we enter into the activity is that we, we really make it clear there's no judgment mm. um, ideas or words That's in great. our space. Um, and we do this, it really makes it easier to have an open and honest discussion. It really compels us to listen to what each of each of us is saying to each other. Um, it just liberates, you know, real discussion. And um, I think that uh, what we found is that taking time to do the God, what guy isn't just an opportunity to discuss the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's really an opportunity to reconvene, you mm-hmm. know, to talk about the important thing, things that are happening in each of our lives. Um, it's really an opportunity to share the victories, the struggles we're going through um, in, a, in a meaningful way. And um, Lori mentioned that um, our son, Damon, who previously would have entered into a lit gathering pretty grudgingly, has even said um, to others that he really likes this time together for, for the reasons I mentioned. So you guys are a tremendous encouragement to us, and I hope an encouragement to all of you folks who are listening. We're so grateful that you're with us on this family road trip podcast. Uh, every week, a new episode. Make the time, look ahead to the week, and make the time. And invite your family to join you. Say, you know, maybe a little awkward, guys. You know, maybe something we've never done before. But you know, I'm listening to this podcast, and these people are really being real. They're talking about some of the benefits of it. So I encourage you to do that this week. That's your challenge. Thanks so much for being with us. So glad that you're with us. God bless you guys. Have a great night. Welcome back to Ignite Radio Live. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. Yes, I'm getting some looks, but it's still good. With this experimental (laughs) podcast, trying to blend some contemporary experience to reach a different audience altogether. It's okay. With the faith. That's what we're trying to do. We want to make it incultural. That's right. And speaking of you which... You can play your Amy Grant next next no, week. We'll blend no, in. No, 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 no. Twyla no. Paris. <laughs> What's wrong with that? No, I love Dude. that. It's just, you know, you're going to reach Amy Grant and Twyla Paris fans. No, I love your creativity. That's it's It is. It's like riding in the car, right? On a road trip in the variety of... Music. With Chewbacca with you. <laughs> anyway. Speaking of Chewbacca. You are truly with Greg and Stephanie Schleter on a very live Ignite Radio Live. It's actually, as we opened with, our 200th episode. Praise God. So we appreciate your donations to keep us going. I can throw that in there quickly. Yes. Go ahead. Um, and we also mentioned that we have two very special guests with us who are on the line Joseph Schleter, actually I should say Sarah Noltner first, yes. Sarah Noltner, Sarah Noltner, Sarah Noltner, and Joseph Schleter. <laughs> Welcome. How are you guys what, doing tonight? Uh, how are you? Good. How are you? One, I'm um, a little bit pained right now because I just went through the slowest Chick-fil-A drive through I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> and, um, and Chick-fil-A is not supposed to be slow or painful, and so I'm a little bit pained at that. But other than that, I'm fantastic, excited to be here, and ready to rock and roll. Well, it is Lent, so 
As your mother would no, say. <laughs> no, <laughs> I won't tell you what your mother and would say. And just so you guys know, you're you're coming across a little Darth Vader-y underwater, so it may be beyond your control, but just as much as you can be slow and clear because we want and our still. audience to hear some awesome things that you have to share. So, as our listeners know, we love, love, love all of Scripture, but in particular, we love to pronounce and proclaim and... Um, Unpack Revelations twelve eleven. Yes, they defeated the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, the Holy Mass. Just so blessed as Catholics to have that great gift and the word of their testimony. And so we are delighted to hear Sarah and Joseph's testimony of where the Lord. Just as a stage setter, by the way, we're looking at the short backgrounders. Yes, but just yeah. background stuff, but also what the Lord is doing in their lives right now. So we're going to go to Sarah first. Sarah, do you want to give us a brief story of your embracing of Jesus Christ? Um, yeah, um, right now in life, it's kind of crazy. We are um, heading towards our last like month and a half of retreat season and um, bringing on a lot of middle school and high school students to campus at Damascus versus um, Joseph and I are missionaries. And um, it's my last uh, little season here being a missionary. So the Lord's just doing a lot in my heart, just like bringing me closer to Him and just like us together embracing this last season of missionary life and moving into the next season. And it's been a really beautiful process, not always easy, um, but super beautiful to just like give the Lord my all this, this season right in the present right now. That's awesome. So, folks, you heard in that Family Road Trip podcast um, the Noltners, the awesome Bill and Lori, and they were sharing a little bit about their experience. And um, we have Sarah here, who is uh, has two years really out of the nest, if you will. Sarah, share with us just a brief, uh, I don't know, backgrounder to coming to really embrace Christ and leading you to this, not just missionary, but more importantly, missionary heart set and mindset. What's the short Sarah coming to Jesus story? Um, the short Sarah coming to Jesus story, oh, wow, I don't know if there is a short one. Um, but in short, I was in high school, my senior year of high school, and I had been living a life like really far away from the Lord, and um, quite honestly just didn't know his, his heart for me or his love. I know a lot of rules and um, textbooks about Jesus, and then... One night, I actually came to a like a family gathering at your house, forced by my parents to go. <laughs> you have great parents. I did parents. not want to be there, but I just like really encountered a joy that I my heart really like had been longing for, and I was just so curious as to what it was. And I went to mass the next day, and the readings just like spoke to my heart, like instantly, mm-hmm. like miraculously. Jesus just converted my heart and everything I'd ever heard about him suddenly like made sense and i just like put my 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 life around like in 24 hours and i was like i'm gonna go to school on monday and i'm just gonna proclaim the name of jesus i'm gonna live with this joy that i feel in my heart today and that's just the mission of my life i don't want anyone to have to wait till their senior year of high school to know this joy Um, because there is such a profound joy in living the gospel 
Sarah, just that phrase that you used, soaked my heart, I felt it, like I felt it. And I hope our listeners allow themselves to feel and experience God soaking their heart. But what a great description. And Sarah, I'm not attuned, even though I have some social media uh, familiarity, but a week ago or so you had an Instagram, I'll call it a series, and I saw a little bit of it, enough to be very moved in directing people to more fully connect to the Father's heart. And you just emphasize, we can hear the voice of the Father in our hearts. We can be attuned to Him. So I don't want to unpack that, but I wonder if you could share that if it exists, if you could post that to my page or something, or I could make that available, because I'd love our our, our audience to really um, experience just the blessing that God has given now pouring through you. So I don't know if that's possible. Is that a possible thing? Can you share that to my like Facebook that, or something? That is a possible thing, and I will most definitely share with you um, that little bit. It was a huge blessing to be on Damascus' Instagram story and just lead our followers through hearing the Father's voice and reminding them if they have heard it before or if they've never heard it before, introducing it to them. That Father God just loves to, to speak to us, and He wants to be a part of our daily lives. Thank you. Joseph Schleter, isn't it funny? We have the same last name. How about that? What's up? How are you, love? Um, give us a little brief word or two about your yeah. embracing of your pagan background coming off the streets. Our Lord and Savior. Selling drugs. Uh, so I grew up in a very 80s culture, you know, um, rock and roll here. I'm totally kidding, by the way. <laughs> um, no, I grew up with you two shenanigans. Um, in a very wonderful home where I was super blessed that uh, parents that were very intentional, not only about um, relating with us, but bringing us to the Father. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys did an awesome job. I don't know, speak to you or other people. We're going to be both. We're going to be alternating. Here we go. <laughs> um, yeah, you guys just did an, an incredible job of, of making sure that even from a young age that we were seen and heard and known um, in a lot of different ways. And also um, just bringing us to God. And a lot of times I remember growing up, like, not wanting to, and, and you know, hoping, like, to come in prayer and seeing how long it would be. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, it was still there, and you still had that foundation that was able to just, so much was able to actually be built upon. Um, and, yeah, I, I remember it was kind of around when we moved to Toledo, my eighth grade year, and then going to that into, like, kind of freshman year, where I really began to... Um, it's when you kind of grow, you're starting to grow up and you're starting to think for yourself and you're starting to question, okay, this is something I've been telling my whole life, but it is something I really want to own and right. set do. Right. And, uh, that was kind of the, I wouldn't say crisis, but that was the, um, that was the thing going on in my head during, during that period, during that time. Um, like, all right, is God actually someone that I really want to lay down my life for? Um, and yeah, just like processing through that and figuring it out and, and I remember just being frustrated. A lot of different things that happened in those two years that just really frustrated me and, and confused me and that I didn't understand. And I kind of came to the conclusion that God was real. I knew God was real. Um, I just didn't think He cared. Like, I, I very much felt like He, the analogy that I've heard used is like a watchmaker. He, like, sets things in motion. He, like, sets off in motion and then just steps back and let it run. And every once in a while, he'll, he'll, he'll come in there and change things up. But, for the most part, you just kind of let me run. Because that was my—that's kind of where I felt God was in my life, like someone who I knew He was real. Because I—I felt Him in different moments through, um, again, you guys providing so many incredible opportunities and love for us. But I also very much felt like He just didn't—I didn't feel like I could connect with Him. Um, I didn't feel like I could like He wanted to be there for me, he, like wanted to actually like, you know, father me and shepherd me. Um, 
And so, so yeah, it was a, um, it was kind of around that time where, where I was just a lot of questioning going on in my head and, um, and yeah, just turning to, turning to man's affirmation and turning to man instead of, of, of God, um, turning to like, what people tell me and um, how I can like, get affirmation and attention from others. And that just doesn't actually fill you up. And so I remember coming, you just, having this point where I kind of came back and I was like, all right, God, like, if you're actually real, like, if you actually care for me, like, I want to know that you care for me. Like, I don't know if you don't experience you. Um, and I remember, like, just, I remember going to prayer one day um, after kind of making that declaration uh, and going to prayer just feeling his presence. I remember I just felt like a future of his presence. And from that moment on, I was told, I was like, all right, you actually cared for me enough to show up. And, um, and so, yeah, then it was just a continuous, it's been a continuous journey from glory to glory of, of growing and messing up and falling and, and everything um, in between. And it's just been such a blessing to grow and to see the Lord, how He's used me and how He's continuing to work in me and through me. So there you have it. Thank awesome. you, Thank Joseph. You, so, folks, Joseph is our number two. He is a full-time missionary with Sarah at Damascus this year. And I want to take every effort to say, because people may only know us through this radio program, and as much as we try to be self-effacing and honest, um, the reality is, just so you can relate to us, we have and have had our struggles. And um, we've had our moments of volatility, hand in the air from Dad, moments of, of all the stuff that we men can face from my uh, shortcomings and limitations and working through that, and certainly Steph in, in her regard also. And I say that to say that um, the work of encountering Christ is right there. It's in that mess, and it's in working that out. And just as the Noltners pronounced, I can't say it strongly enough, the power of knowing if you will, our shortcomings and constantly coming to Christ and saying, hey guys, pray for me. I failed. I fell. I need your, I need your prayers. I need you to pray that I um, more fully pursue Christ, that there's apology and forgiveness. Let's shift to the second part of this from both of you. What is Damascus? Just pretend that our listeners have no idea what Damascus is and give us a brief summary of what it's about. All right. So, um, I love to share the mission of Damascus. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, because the mission of Jesus, which is awesome. Damascus is a Catholic mission campus based in Thunderbird, Ohio. Um, we have a flagship program that we've been running for about 18 summers now. It's called Catholic Youth Summer Camp. And it started out with like a small youth group, like wanting to do something more in the summer. And it turned into the blossoming massive summer camp that it is today. Um, this summer, we'll host around 4,000 young people on our campus. Wow. Camp. Praise God. It's the biggest summer we've ever had. Um, and our mission is just to awaken, empower, and equip the, this generation, the young generation of the church to live the adventures of their faith. We do that through world-class programs and just an environment of encounter. I'm um, just really, like, putting a Christmas Jesus in everything that we do at camp. Um, and at Damascus, during the year, we have full-time missionaries and summer missionaries. And the full-time missionaries serve in retreat programs throughout the year, serving middle school students primarily, but also high school students, and receiving formation um, from the leaders at Damascus, um, and just growing our own faith life and stepping into spiritual maturity and just normal 
people <laughs> maturity. And yeah, that's like a brief little video. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Did you want to ask this? Go ahead. Yep, go ahead, Joseph. Perfect. Our connection is a little sketchy, so if you guys can, you know, maybe speak a little more, a little slower, just to understand you a little better. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Damascus is one of the, it's funny because one of the most common comments that we get when hearing about Damascus is people say that it feels like you're walking into the book of the Acts of the Apostles um, because there's on fire radical Christians who are living out the call that Jesus Christ has given us to to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth and to live out this call that he said, um, those who believe in me will do what I've done and they'll do even greater things. And so it's it's about people. It's not it's about us living that call, but really it's about us actually equipping others to live that call. Damascus, the, the end goal of it is never Damascus. In, in fact, we, in many different areas and arenas and opportunities, would want to just fade into the background because we want to be a ministry that actually supports other ministries. Our goal is to support parishes and schools and families and other ministries to allow them to be the best possible can and just see how we can help them with that. So we're wanting to raise up kids who then go back into the parishes and, and, are, and are, are changing things in their parishes and in their families. And so it's all about like just raising up people um, who can be even better than we are. Like That's our play all the time is that these kids coming coming into our retreats would actually run after the Lord harder than we do. So Damascus is essentially just a it's a it's a stepping stone. It's a place where where we're just blessed to one have people come to us and also for us to go out there and just bring just love people. Just bring them into an encounter with the love of Jesus Christ because when you encounter his love, everything else changes for you. Um, and and so yeah, we we do that by the retreats that we have at our at our campus, both for our summer camp and and through um, through our like different like um, confirmation retreats and faith and science retreats and all sorts of things, and also through our outreach programs, we're actually going out to parishes and we're going out to the local community, and we're just wanting to bless them and love them and, and show them that there actually is a God who cares for them and loves them. Um, and yeah, it's just a blessing to do that. And also, you know, we, there's like thirty, there's thirty something of us all living together. Joseph, um, can I pause you quickly? Absolutely. Thank you. I, you're getting into um, some awesome stuff of what you guys do as missionaries. And before we delve into that, um, you had mentioned the type of community that one experiences in the early church, as you said, when you walk onto yeah. Damascus campus. And you use the word Christian, and it certainly is. Um, I just want to add to that Catholic Christian, because it is evident and so beautiful at Damascus that it is an uncompromised place of on-fire Catholic place a Catholic, in, in its fullness. And I think too often people associate all those words that you just used with our fellow Christians, right? And there are so many different groups and organizations that are doing mighty things and beautiful things. And, you know, again, so often, unfortunately, the adjectives that you used are um, usually associated with you know, other Christian denominations. So I know you guys proudly proclaim Catholicity there and the beauty of the sacraments and how Mass is prayed there and Lexio Divina and all these beautiful treasures of the Church. So I just want to yeah. perhaps add that for our listeners. Um, 
it, it is a very powerful, special place that you can be rest assured that those who do step onto that campus, uh, their Catholic faith is just enriched and enlivened in many ways that we have failed, unfortunately, in so many other venues um, that we wish were a little different. So with that yeah, said, um, go ahead and jump in, you and Sarah both, on what uh, what it means to be a missionary. You started to share a lot of the different things that you guys um, are blessed to be a part of and initiate with. Yeah, for sure. So um, what it means to be a missionary with Damascus is um, quite a lot of different things. Um, we... We probably the biggest thing about being a missionary is actually living out our missionary mindsets, um, which are five different mindsets that we've taken on as a missionary body. Um, and those are being Jesus centered, mission focused, joy filled, obedient, and then the funny last one, being a toilet plunger, which essentially nice. just means being being a servant to servants, like having a servant heart of Jesus Christ. Um, and so those are like actually the five definitive attributes of our culture, and that's kind of it actually so much of that speaks into what we do. Like, our goal is actually to implement implement kingdom culture, implement, like, all right, what is what does it look like to live like Jesus Christ? And, like, these are all areas that Jesus lived, and so it's actually implementing that into in, into our programs and into these kids and into, it, into all that we do. So being a missionary with us, it means, you know, we have full-time missionaries and some of missionaries. Sarah and I are both full-time, and we spend a year um, on, a, on a kind of practical baseline level it's, it's running retreats for for kids who come it's the majority of what we do throughout the throughout the years we have all these different parishes who are interested in in the parish becoming on fire and so they send their kids to us for a faith and science retreat or a leadership retreat or a confirmation retreat are usually the main ones and and so we get to run that we get some of our counselors and we get to walk with a group of of you know anywhere from like five to ten kids and uh and just like walk with them and and really father and mother them in their relationship with Jesus Christ and help them out with that. Um, we have awesome. people on program staff, so we're running funny skits and dramas, and we're, we're leading worship, and we are bringing them into encounters with Eucharistic Lord through adoration and Mass and confession and, and all these wonderful different things. Um, and so it's just kind of us like leading them, and um, and yeah, just bringing our culture in that way. Um, so being a missionary is kind of one of the big things, is, is, is just living as living as Jesus did, and we do that through our retreats and through our outreach to local parishes and um, different areas in the local community. Um, and just through, yeah, there's so many different things that come up, whether it be parish missions or conferences or whatever. The life of a missionary is never boring and never um, predictable either. Um, and it's just such a blessing to be able to, to grow wherever the Lord has our feet. That's awesome, Joseph. Thank you. Sarah, I don't know if that prompted any thoughts of your experience. And just while you're maybe adding, if you have something to add, what are your plans, life after Damascus? Damascus. Um, yeah, I just, I, Joseph pretty much covered it, but I don't know. I think my heart's a little on fire today because we went out and did outreach today in our local communities at the, and in the schools in the Columbus Diocese that we work with. And I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I wanted to really speak to that in our, that part of our culture, like the outreach, like the practical, like preparation that goes into being a missionary. Like we aren't just prepared to run retreats and to um, run programs. Like we are actually like prepared and fostered and grown in actually going out and like 
being deployed into the world. And I just, like, today I had the most beautiful encounter. Um, meet another missionary. His name's Angela. We were out on outreach at, like, one of the local malls and encountered this uh, this guy who had Parkinson's disease. And Aww. we just, like, were able to approach him with such love and um, just, so like, awesome. speak truth over him that Father God was speaking to us. And we got to pray with him and his wife. And it was just the most beautiful thing. So it's, like, not just for here, but it's for, like, here now and the future present to come and it's just so beautiful to like see god moving and working through um the missionaries and like us being able to like extend that even more um because it, it's it is about like us doing retreat ministry and programs and and speaking truth through that but there's just so much more like of the world to be reached and i think that it's super unique that we have an outreach component to our missionary life Mm-hmm. That we get to go out and just bless people and bring people to Jesus, like even if they aren't at yeah. our campus. So yeah. let me let me ask you guys a question. Uh, one doesn't need to be even far from media and sociological studies to know that we are one of the most depressed societies at present in recorded history in terms of however you gauge that but certainly suicide and uh you know actually counseling and the the range of things that indicate that people are very impoverished in their spirits their appetites are very impoverished and you're going into predominantly i suspect catholic contexts so let's just start there you're going into what we listeners may think are the best of the best contexts their families they at least have some familiarity or, or, or appreciation for Catholicism, the schools or the churches and the youth groups. So you're seeing, if you will, those who maybe have the best shot at their souls being satisfied. So speak to us uh, and our listeners and give us a portrait of really under the hood that you get to experience. Under the hood, what in general are you experiencing from these young people, young adults? Yeah, for sure. Um <clears throat> So it's so funny because not funny is not the right word. Sad is the right word. Um, and I think just like a um, an interesting thing, like we yeah we get to we get to walk with these kids throughout the week, and so we get to um, we get to like really like see um, what's going on under the hood, what's going on in their families, and, and yeah, like you said, these are kids. Most of the kids that are coming are coming from families like we're getting them from Catholic schools. Um, so most of them have some sort of connection to faith and parents who at least invest in a Catholic education. But, I mean, these kids, they, they talk about home life, and and almost never is it actually like they have parents who care about mm-hmm. the faith. Um, and they have, you know, you have like a lot of, I mean, we get them from all over the place. We have these kids just sharing their heart, like, I don't know how, like, I experienced God and, and this, but like, I don't know how, how my family's going to take that or understand it. Or, like, I don't feel like I have, like, support from them to do this. Um, is that common? Yeah. Joseph, is that a pretty common sketch? And I'm kind of looking for that, because I want maybe our really good Catholic grandparents and parents listening to know, certainly, what is that common portrait, but also, and you're speaking to it also, but specifically, that they desire, and they want to know, they want to have this connection. Speak to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, it's just, like, reality, a lot of these kids don't think they have parents who are engaged. Um, don't feel like they actually, it, it, it's actually one of the, it's, it's so amazing because even just the way that we love them is so different from, 
from the way that they've been loved in the past. And that could be parents and teachers and whoever else. Um, but yeah, it's like, like so often these kids are like, wow, like you guys are adults who actually like, care about us. Um, or like you guys are adults like who listen to us so we don't like shut us down right away. Mm. Um, and again, that's, I mean, they're surrounded by a lot of different adults in their life. Um, but they're just, kids are starving to be seen and heard and like loved and played with and, you know, fostered and grown. And like, yeah, they just, these kids love you, and they're like so attached to you by the by the end of a few days because you showed them the love of Jesus. Joseph, and looking what, for that in parents. What does that look like, you and Sarah? I mean, just for those who are listening. So the you know the culture is they go home, they probably have a decent home culture as far as safe. Um, but how do parents initiate or open those doors? Give us some advice to kind of make those connections to open that door, to create that culture, more than just moments or tactics, but paint a picture for us of what that looks like and why it's so important. I think if parents every day ask if, if they prayed for the heart of Jesus, if they prayed for the heart of the Father, um, like I, I encourage any parents or grandparents listening to this, ask God every day, like, give me your heart for my kids. Um, give me your heart for my kids, which is something super practical but so you know impactful that they can do. Because then you're asking, that, that's what kids are looking for. They're, they're looking for, I mean, all of us are starving for love, and all of us are looking to be loved. And as humans, we just can't love the way that God does. And I think too often we try on our own willpower, and that's when it fails. Like, if we as missionaries tried to love and do other things we did off our own willpower, like, we would burn out so quickly. And we actually would, we wouldn't be able to love these kids like we did. But when you ask the Father to provide and to give us His heart, then he shows us, like, how to love this kid. He's like, oh, this one actually really needs to be affirmed right now. And this one needs to be spent time with. And this one just needs to be, like, seen in this way. And this one needs to be challenged a little bit. Like, you know, like, he'll just show you exactly what you need when you keep praying for his heart. And, and that's, what kid, that's, like, just what kids need. They need parents who actually care enough. Like, all right, what is the father? Like, how, like, I, I want the God's heart for this. And God, how are you actually, like, how are you calling me to love them today? And how are you calling me to love them in this moment? How can I see them and hear them and know them? Yeah, and just along with that, I think just parents um, that care enough to seek their own healing as well is mm, super essential for a healthy awesome. family life, and especially raising kids in the faith, um, like recognizing that there's things that I need to work out with Jesus, like there's things I need to take to Him still and surrender and let Him fix, like there are wounds in my heart that I need His help mending that I can love my children better. Um, I think that's so real. And we actually so just heard a, like, a beautiful homily this last day. Um, and it was, he, he just like, was, the priest was speaking that to the parents. He was like, there are things that in your heart, like there are reasons why you react to your children certain ways based off of hurt in your life. And it's so important that you seek Jesus in that. That's so awesome. That you can love your kids. Two really good books that we... Yep shared in our home, and I encourage all of our listeners to really dive into. One is Neil Lozano's Unbound, uh, just very insightful about how we maybe keep ourselves from the blessing, what stands in the way of the blessing that is being poured in and pressing in on us all the time. I always like to say, like a Niagara Falls of grace, but to the debris, we all have those family of origin things, things we've done, things people have done to us. And just the amazement when people practice these simple ideas of forgiveness and apology and be aware of the whispers that lie to us, which of us don't have things that have been haunting us and lying to us about our identities. And not just to presume them, 
but to, especially if you can do this with your spouse um, or your children, even younger children, to, to name them. I've heard families that would enter into this who are anxious. You heard the Ericsons give that testimony in the first part of this program. Allie was experiencing anxiety because of some deaths in this community, and she was anxious that maybe her mom and dad would be dying, and, and it was causing her stomach pain. It was causing her not to sleep, and they prayed over her. The little kids prayed over her. I mean, this is something that God equips us to do. It is, our, if you will, our birthright by virtue of baptism to literally be the instruments of Christ. So number one is un- Book Unbound. The second is Be Healed by Bob Schutz, which is just really insightful uh, about that also. And the, I, I'll tell you, I'm selfish in asking you everybody to, to read these because I think um, we, the more people who read this, the more we can minister in it, and the more we can have a culture that, that if you will, nurtures it, has that language, and, and really, it's the heart of the Mass. It's the heart of that grace being poured out outside of the Mass into those reality areas where healing needs to take place. Yeah. And real quick, just kind of piggybacking off of all that, um, I think parents, like, along with seeking their own healing, I mean, the direct, the direct correlation with that is you need to—parents need to be constantly seeking— growth in their own spiritual life yeah. and and not because i think i think sometimes parents feel like their kids come back and like and the parents are excited about it but they don't know how to how to engage it because Great point. Like they come back and their kids are more on fire for their faith than they are advice like the parents yes joseph and, so the parents, and sarah advise what would you suggest to them they do yeah um i think parents need to constantly be seeking out like if, if we're telling kids to, to take time away to like from the busy days in schools and sports and everything, to like actually spend just some time with God, I think parents can absolutely do that as well and set the tone in the family. Like, set aside time for prayer, like personal prayer is just so important. Um, and it's more than just, personal growth means more than just going to another church program and letting it like be like a cool thing that happens mm-hmm. in the experience. Like, the Lord works through that, and that's amazing. But it needs to be something you're personally committed to, and then it's like a lifestyle, not just a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, yeah, it talks about in the... Um, in the Gospel of John, Jesus is talking about like, abiding with him and, and how, how his disciples are pruned because of the words he's spoken to them, um, like how his words actually prune us um, and like perfect us. And so I think, yeah, getting back to the Word, getting back to the Word, and I think that's why like, in the Living Gathering Guide, it's so important to take that second part as well. Like We talk about the questions a lot, which are amazing, and, um, and I, I can't talk enough about them because I've seen how they've, how they've grown community and grown family. But even that second part of, of diving into the, the upcoming Sunday's readings, like that's the Word of God, and the Word of God is going to prune you better than anything else can. And the Word of God is going to it's going to feed your soul more than anything else can, and it's going to allow you to actually grow in um, grow grow with the Lord, so you can have that encounter. But then more, and that's what's also cool is, is along with the God, it's not just like with the questions, it's not just talking about it and oh, that's a cool revelation that I got. But it's actually okay. How do you live this out? Because if you if you have a revelation without like an application to it, it's useless. It's meaningless. You know. And Let me so, pause you a second. I don't want to steal your yeah. train of thought, but that's a very powerful phrase. If we've got the revelation without the application, was that the phrase you used? Yeah. So, folks, think about that for a second. We absorb, we receive, we maybe read the Word, but are we proclaiming it? But even deeper, are we applying it to our lives? Is it is it something that is taking root, like those good seeds in the soil? Thank you. I just wanted to take a moment and really absorb yeah. that what that is worth. For sure. So, yeah, I think parents, like parents and grandparents, um, <laughs> there's this idea, I think this is super important. I'll close on this because I know I'm talking a lot. Um, You're good. And this is something, mom, mom and dad, that you actually, I mean, you would say to us too, as a dad, you would say this a lot, and we actually use it in our community a lot. 
Um, but we have the choice to be thermometers or thermostats. Mm. Um, we have the choice to react to the things around us, or we have the choice to set the temperature. Um, and I, I think that, that um, so often we live in a culture, I mean, where everyone's just a thermostat, everyone, or a thermometer. Sorry. <laughs> everyone's just reacting to the temperature around them. And I think parents feel like that's all they can do. Like, oh, my kid's grumpy, that's just the way he is. Like, I'm just going to react to that. Or my kid doesn't care about this, that's just the way it is. But, but parents are called to be... I call to be thermostats, and maybe, like, uh, I just think people, yeah, I think a lot of times we have a lot of complaining about cultures, but not actually people willing to step up and, like, change things themselves. Like, imagine if, like, a parent was like, okay, you know what, this is not the way it's supposed to be, I'm going to start setting the tone. And so then the parents start setting the tone, what are, like, you're, then they're the ones praying, and they're the ones setting a tone of prayer, mm-hmm. and of positive language, and of, like, love, and charity, and serving in the family. Then the kids see that, and, and then the kids begin to react to that. And then you, you teach them how to set the tones in their schools and their in their parishes, and and it all starts there. But it starts with just one person saying, "All right, you know, I'm I'm done just reacting to everything around me. I'm going to start setting a tone." And if parents started setting a tone, yeah, maybe it's awkward at first if you wanted to pray and talk with your kids, but like you set the tone first, and they're going to respond to it. It's not nothing's going to change if you're just reacting to them. You need like we need as a culture to begin to step up and start setting the tone. And I think that's super important for families who want to experience growth. And I know all families do. Like, no family's going to be like, yeah, I'm totally okay with where we're at, and, like, I don't need to grow in any way. And if you want to experience growth, you're going to need to actually, it's not just going to come to you. You need to start, like, going after it. And so start praying and start affirming, start asking for the Father's heart, and start doing things that are uncomfortable that are going to stretch you, but that are going to actually help you set a new tone for the place. Amen. Just for our listeners... Also, and then Sarah, you can comment, but the, he referred to the gathering guide and just wanted to direct our listeners to ilovemyfamily.us, where there is this guide that will help with exactly everything that Joseph is talking about, in particular the Sunday readings with the questions there. So ilovemyfamily.us. Sarah, go ahead. And yeah, just off of what Joseph is saying, he mentioned it briefly, but um, just asking for the Father's heart in that, um, like being a tone setter is not about performance or how many hours that you get like serving mm. your kids like sports team or like Amen. helping out at the school like it's not about hours it's not about the performance of it but it's actually like has to come from a place of genuine heart mm. because kids actually really see that yeah. and like they react off of that if they see that their parent is just like wants to be the best parent like in the parent meeting like you know they they notice that and they're like okay that's not genuine mm-hmm. like that's just performance they may not label it like that or word it like that but like that's real I know that um, I've seen friends that have seen that in their own parents and um, right. and like even myself like um, I've seen that just like in the culture around me and it really is about having a genuine heart of charity yeah. and like it just a genuine like the genuine with the father's heart. Um, and, like, truly letting your kids see that and, like, seeing it plainly without, like, trying to mask it with anything is super, super important. I love that. I I have to proclaim the difficulty for many our age and those older, those younger than us do a decent job with what I'm going to say, and that is that transparency and that vulnerability, that uh, appropriate opening of our hearts for our kids to experience. And, you know, it, it sort of is a diffuser, too. It just is a pressure release valve. Like if our kids, parents, if they hear us say, you know, I'm really struggling with this, 
at work. I'm struggling with this relationship. I'm struggling with paying bills, and I just want you guys to know, and I want to ask for your prayers. Certainly, a lot of that could correspond to an apology. And it may even be an approach, parents, to, and I, you know, this kind of came maybe later in the game as our kids, you know, as a younger one is now 13. But in a reprimand moment, it was instead an occasion for me to say, you know, I just want to share honestly with you, I just really felt hurt when you did that. I'm not being manipulative, I'm not being passive-aggressive, but you're, you're better than that, and I know you can do more, and, you know, I want to journey with you. And so those sorts of things, I think, Sarah, um, absolutely are things that we and all of us listening can work on that open the doors to heartfelt connections. You know, I want to say also um, that all of that we're talking about in the home is doable. I've been so blessed to be on a journey with nine very busy brothers doing the Exodus 90 thing. Now, these are men, a number of them with a number of kids, uh, business owners, extremely busy people, and they're committing to a holy hour every day, a minimum of 20 minutes, but a holy hour. They're committing to cold showers, and they're committing to fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays and these other things, but they're making time to do this, and for us to do it together I think is what really becomes that occasion of community, of support, of grace being poured through. So I'd add to all that you guys are saying that is magnificent is um, husbands and wives uh, become that kindred support for one another. Make some commitments and stick with them and be that occasion of support. And all the more, find that one couple that you share this desire with to see your cultures become occasions of ever-deepening encounter with Christ and encourage them just at the base to be praying together as couples. We're doing this as a lit group right now. Couples are doing this throughout the country, really, but certainly in our city, couples are gathering together in a committed way, and what a great experience it's been for us to be ministered to. Um, And then I I will say the final thing I want to give testimony to is our kids. I love right now to sit back and let our children lead an entire lit gathering and and to guide it according to their attunement to the Father's heart. Folks, you hear the Come In for a Landing music. We've been so blessed to have uh, Joseph Schleter and Sarah Notler on the phone with us. We pray for an abundance, outpouring of grace and blessing in your life. Lord Jesus, open our hearts and our minds in this Lenten season to experience an outpouring of renewal, healing, mercy, and grace to transform us so much that it overflows to all of those around us. We desire to be your people in a special way, a holy Toledo. For the glory of your name, we pray. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.